0: Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. First Corinthians chapter 14. So as I mentioned earlier, today is uh, Pentecost Sunday. It is a... Uh, it it is usually celebrated by the church 40 days after Easter Sunday. And uh we celebrate the the coming of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate the fulfillment of Jesus' promise of sending the Holy Spirit. The passage that we read in, in uh in Acts two describes the event, how the, the apostles were gathered together, and then the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Uh in, in the form of tongues of fire and they started speaking in different languages and the people that were pressed from all over the world because Pentecost was a feast even before it was celebrated by the Christian church, it was celebrated by the, by the Jewish people, it was a feast. So there were people from all over the world gathered in Jerusalem and so when the disciples started speaking in their own languages, people were shocked some of them you know were wondering what what is it that we're seeing some of them more mockingly said these people are drunk but peter filled with the spirit started preaching to them and he he started uh explaining the prophecy that we find in Joel chapter 3 and and explains to them this prophecy which I'm going to read to you again and in the last days blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter starts explaining this passage. And even though I don't believe that speaking in tongues and prophecy are the main uh, and most important of the fulfillment of this prophecy, they are a fulfillment of this prophecy nonetheless. And they are a topic that is discussed in Scripture. And because we believe that the Word of God is our authority, because it comes from God, then I think that it is right and it is necessary that we discuss these topics. And that's one of the main things that we have been doing for the last few Sundays. We have been talking about prophecy. We have been talking about speaking in tongues. Now, I know that at this point, prophecy, it has been elephant in in the room, right? Because I keep mentioning it. I keep talking about it as if, you know, assuming that we're all on the same page when it comes to prophecy. And I can see that some of you are getting a little bit excited, but I'm sorry to break it to you. I'm not quite ready to define prophecy for you. Uh, I am hoping to do that. In fact, I'm setting it as my goal to take some time, two Sundays from, from today, to talk about prophecy, to talk about speaking in tongues, to talk about words of knowledge, words of wisdom, really to try to define all, or if not most of the gifts that are listed in scripture so that you know, once we have, now that we are getting all of this theory about how to use the spiritual gifts, it would be good for us to Know what the gifts are, and say, "Okay, but these gifts look like, and this is how I can use them to build up the church." Um, but again, I'm sorry to break it to you. I'm not going to explain exactly what prophecy is today. But we are definitely getting really, really close. And today, actually, going to learn several important things about prophecy. Um, one of the things we see in this uh, in this uh, um, passage in Joel is that part of the fulfillment of this prophet Joel or that God gave to, to Joel was that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on all people, on all flesh, on all believers. And the marks of the fulfillment of this prophecy was that they were going to prophesy. In other words, in the Old Testament, under the, new, the Old Covenant, prophecy, receiving a word directly from God, was only reserved for a few people. It was only reserved for the prophets, for the Old Testament prophets. But in the New Testament, what Joel is saying is that after the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people, everyone is, everyone who has the Spirit, is a candidate for receiving revelation from God. Everyone is a candidate to be able to speak prophetically to to speak prophecy to 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 receive a revelation from God and be able to get to others now the problem is that i have been, as i've been mentioning before this topic of prophecy this topic of speaking in tongues this topic of certain spiritual gifts has caused some well not necessarily yes it has caused division but it has also been interpreted in different ways by different groups of believers, right? So I've, I've been talking about cessationists. I've been talking about uh, continuationists. Maybe we could say uh, continuationists. Uh, we could also refer to them as charismatics, people that believe that that all of the gifts of the Spirit continue today. And when we talk about cessationists, we could refer to maybe as as non-charismatic people who believe that some of the spiritual gifts Prophecy and speaking in tongues have ceased, um, but today we are going to spend time in First Corinthians fourteen. We're going to talk about the last of First Corinthians, and we are going to learn a lot of really important things. If, if you know, no matter what side of the spectrum you are, no matter what camp you are, we are going to learn some really important things regarding the order of our gathering, right? So just as as a review, remember that we have learned that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives the gifts. He gives them freely. He gives them uh, according to His will, to whomever He wills. We have also learned that not everyone has the same spiritual gift. Not everyone speaks in tongues. Not everyone prophesies. Not everyone teaches. Not everyone uh, exhorts. But everyone has uh, a different gift. We all know that the gifts are to be used for the building up of the church not for uh, uh you know making myself popular or or making myself look very spiritual but rather they are to be used for the edification of the church we also learned that the main thing that we need to look for the main thing that we need to pursue is love yes we are supposed to desire the spiritual gifts we're supposed to earnestly desire the higher gifts but the main thing that we should be that we should be pursuing is love because the spiritual gifts at some point are going to cease are going to 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 stop being necessary but love love is going to endure forever we're going to continue to love each other even when we are or especially so when we in god's presence we also learned last sunday that the, when we are gathered as a church, corp or mutual edification is supposed to take priority over individual worship, right? So in other words, our, our, our attitude when we come to the church gathering shouldn't be, man, I hope that today I get a really deep, uh, intimate, personal connection with God at the expense of blocking everyone else around me. Instead, our attitude should be, man, I hope that today I can build as many of my brothers and sisters up gathering of the church. And and by doing so, we will be worshiping God by the sacrificing of myself. And so today we come to, okay, how, what does it look like in the Sunday gathering or in the gathering of the church? What does it look like to use the spiritual gifts, particularly the spiritual gift of prophecy and the spiritual gift of tongues, because those are the main two gifts that Paul is discussing in this section. So after that lengthy introduction, let's pray and let's dig into the passage. God, we thank you that you have given us your authoritative word. We thank you that we have in your word Everything that we need to know about you, everything that we need to know about salvation, the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We praise you, God, that you have revealed yourself to us. And God, I pray that as we look into this passage, that you would give us um, understanding, that you would. Give us illumination, Lord, that we would understand your word, that we would submit to your word because it has your commands. It has the words that you have intended for us to have. I pray that everything we do, everything we think, would be in submission to the Bible, to the scriptures. Please guide me by your spirit to teach according to your word. Please guide us as a church by your spirit to understand your word. Please teach us and even start uh, stirring within us how we can put into practice the things that we are learning about you, about the Holy Spirit, and about the spiritual gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In it is written, by people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and, outs- and outsiders or unbelievers enter, Will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all; he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling in his face, he will worship God and hear that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can decide one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, He is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. All right, let's see what happens. I know I've said this multiple times. I've said, yeah, this this one is a difficult passage. But let me just say one more time, (laughs) we have a difficult passage ahead of us. So I'm going to try my best to explain what I understand. One of the things that that I want to be transparent is a lot of these things I'm learning as I go. I'm learning as I study them. And I'm I'm doing my best to try to explain them to you. So that we all have a better understanding of, of God's word. So. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to explain ver- uh, verses 20 through 25. I just want to give you a summary. Basically, what Paul is saying is that he he is making an argument for why he prefers that the church prophesies than that the church speaks in tongues. And so, basically, he quotes from Isaiah, and he says, um, from he quotes from Isaiah 28, and he says by the people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will i speak to this people even then they will not listen to me says the lord thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers while prophecy is a sign not for believers sorry not for unbelievers but for believers so in the context of this passage god has been warning israel god has been sending prophets to israel so that they would repent, so turn back to him. But because Israel failed to listen to God, eventually he sent for, foreign invaders to Israel. And so basically when they saw the, the foreigners, the, the, the Babylonians, those that were invading them speaking in a different language, that meant God's judgment to them. And so obviously I don't think that it is exactly the case the church that when someone is speaking in a different tongue in the church, we should say, oh, that is a sign of God's judgment upon us. Because Paul himself says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. But I think what Paul is saying is that speaking in tongues for the unbeliever is a sign of judgment. Speaking in tongues, when an unbeliever comes and they, and they hear that there's a bunch of speaking in tongues, in Paul's words, when everyone is speaking in tongues and there is no interpreter, well, the, the the unbeliever cannot really be converted through that because no one is communicating to him. Everyone is just you know speaking to God or 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 to others, but no one is interpreting. And so the unbeliever is only having a sign of judgment, but it's not really able to be converted. On the other hand, prophecy is a sign for believers. Those who believe can 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 be edified by prophecy. But it also has evangelistic value. If there is an outsider that walks in and people are prophesying in intelligible words, if people are prophesying, are speaking words in English in our context, then according to Paul, the secret of his heart, oh sorry, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declared. That God is among you. So in summary, if someone walks in, everyone is speaking in tongues. There is no interpretation. We're basically just proclaiming judgment to the unbeliever that is walking in. But if someone comes in and people are prophesying, then this person might be convicted by the words that are being said because he can actually understand the words that are being said and he could be saved. So that's my really brief summary of this passage. I realize that it is complicated. Is it cold in here? Weird. It says that it's 73. (laughs) Okay. So, moving on to verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So Paul here is about to give some really, really specific instructions for what they should do, especially regarding prophecy and speaking in tongues. Notice it's not describing the full gathering of the church, right? Because it doesn't say anything about communion. It doesn't say anything about corporate prayer. It doesn't say anything about teaching, Right, so it's not necessarily describing what the church should look like every Sunday when they gather. It is describing an aspect of the church when they gather. And so the main key, again, being let all things be done for the building up. Again and again, Paul is drilling that into the Corinthians' heads. And really, that's the thing that we need to get out of this. That thing that we do when we are gathered with the church should be done for the building up of the church. That's the thing that if anything, if we get anything out of this passage, I think that's one of the main things that we can get, that everything should be done for the building up. So then he gives some clear instructions. He says, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn, and let someone interpret. So this is very, very clear teaching that I'm, I'm afraid and I'm sad to see that many of our charismatic brothers and sisters are clearly ignoring. Right? I don't want to say all of them. I know of charismatic churches that are actually trying to obey the word of God. But sadly, it is very, very common that you go into a charismatic Pentecostal where everyone is just speaking in tongues. There is no interpretation. It, not one or two, but 22 are speaking in tongues. And it, it just simply seems, like, this seems like such a clear teaching of Scripture. And so to disregard this, it just seems such a clear uh, uh you know, disobedience to this passage. So again, you know, we are a church that I've never seen any speaking in tongues among us. But if we were ever to get to that point, let us make sure that we are doing it in order. Let us make sure that there is two or three people. And the one, well, not the one, but but a really, really important thing is if someone speaks in a tongue and there is no interpreter, then that person should be silent. That person should not continue to speak in tongues. It is very clearly forbidden to speak in tongues in the gathering of the church when there is no interpretation, like we saw in the in the in the last section, and as, and as we see here as well. Um, it is okay to to speak tongues uh, when you are speaking to God. It is okay to speak tongues when you are in your home in private. But if you are with other believers and you are speaking in tongues and no one can understand what you're saying, not edifying the church, therefore you need to be silent. At least, you know, stop speaking in tongues. So that's one for tongues. Then he goes on to prophecy. Verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is another sitting there, let the first be silent or you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And so we see several things here. Another thing is that the number of prophets should also be limited. It's says two or three. It also says that the prophecy that they speak, and this is important. I'm, I'm not necessarily going to address it right now. I'm going to address it a little later, but this is important. What the prophets are saying is supposed to be weighed. Is supposed to be judged. It's supposed to be separated, kind of like when you're separating. Uh, uh, it's it's this. It's a similar word that is used for when you're separating wheat. The wheat from the chaff. There has to be some sort of discernment and separation of what is being said, and this is going to be important in a, in a few moments. Um, we get a clue of what prophecy might be. Right it's in verse thirty, that if a revelation is made to another sitting there let the first be silent so again prophecy as as several people have defined it new testament prophecy is the 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 human speaking of a divine given revelation in other words when i when i am prophesying i am not speaking directly god's word rather i received a revelation and now i am speaking that revelation, but I am the human agent speaking that revelation. And again, that's going to be important in a little bit. Um, For you can all prophesy one by one. So again, the, the prophesying has to be one by one. It has to be in order. And we see that the purpose is that all may learn, all be encouraged. So again, building up. If we are prophesying, we're not prophesying to show off how spiritual we are or to show off that, oh, look, I got this cool revelation. But no, we are speaking to so that others can learn and be encouraged. For God is not, we're going to get back to verse 32, but God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So if there is one clear thing about here whether you agree uh whether whether you believe that this the gifts of prophecy and speaking tongues continue or whether you believe that they have ceased if there is a clear thing that we learn from this passage is that everything should be done in order that church is gathered we should gather and we should our, our gathering our service should be orderly because we worship a god of peace we worship a god of Order, not a God of confusion. And my intention is not to bash any people, and I'm not I'm not mentioning specific churches, but I do think that it is important for us to notice that there are churches that are not following these specific commands. That there are several churches that when you enter you don't feel like God is a God of peace or order, but or rather you feel like everyone is out of their mind. And so I don't think that we are necessarily at risk of being there, but I do think that it is important for all of us to know that God is a God of order, a God of peace. Okay, so as in all of the church, verse 33, second part, as in all of the churches, of the saints that is the the believers the women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission as the law also says if there is anything they desire to learn let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church all right so here's a passage that we're just gonna skip. No, I'm just kidding. we're not we're not going to skip this passage. this this passage I, I just keep saying it all the time, but this is a difficult passage, but let me give us a little bit of context so that hopefully we can understand this passage a little bit better. Number one, remember Paul? In the context is still speaking about the gathering of the church. In context, has been speaking of spiritual gifts, particularly the gift of prophecy. Right? He it, it, it seems like the immediate context to it is the 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 um the prophesying. And so I think that a a, a good explanation for this passage is that. In the context of this passage, oh, sorry, let me give you a a couple more things to consider before I give you what I think is the explanation of it. Another thing that that we know from Scripture is that in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 2 through 16, you can go back and look at those, Paul gives instructions for how women could prophesy and pray. And it's like he is talking about women uh, praying and prophesying publicly right so what is going on here is paul contradicting himself within the same letter is in is paul in one in one section of the letter saying that that it is okay for women to pray and prophesy but then on the other section of the letter to the same church in the same letter is saying actually never mind i want all women to be completely in the church it seems like there has to be a different explanation now there is a clear principle in First Timothy chapter 2 verses 11 through14. in this passage, Paul tells Timothy, "Let a woman quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather she is to remain quiet, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So the point that is clear, the point that I believe that Paul is really clear on is that women are not supposed to teach men in the gathering of the church. Women are not supposed to exercise authority over men in the gathering of the church. Now, some, some, some of us may ask, well, why is that? Like, is there something wrong with women? Or are they, like, more easily deceived? Or, or are they, you know, what's the deal? Why, why is it that women can't teach or exercise authority over men? Well, the argument that Paul gives is the order of creation, right? He goes back to Genesis 2 and says man was created first, and then woman was created out of the man. So he is establishing an order of creation. Now, this means that men and women are both created in God's image. This means that men and women have the same value before God. This means that men and women are both uh, uh, saved by the work of Christ on the cross. This means that, like it says in Galatians, there is no distinction between men and women when it comes to justification before God, but it does mean that God has given specific roles to the different genders or to the, to the different sexes. God has given a particular role to men, the role of leading, the role of being the leaders in their family, the role of being the leaders in the church, and God has given the uh, women the role of being the helper of the man and because of this order of creation women are supposed to submit to their husbands women are supposed to submit or uh, women should not exercise authority over men in the church now I'll give you an example in case that in case that uh, uh, as a woman you might be tempted to feel a little bit like what's the deal with paul like is he a misogynist or or what's happening with him let me give you an example in Ephesians 5 When, well, let me, let me, uh, sorry, let me give you an example. Uh, God and God, the father and Jesus are the same in nature, right? They are the same in, in value. However, Jesus is said to be submitted to the father. Jesus is in submission to the Father. He obeys the Father. So would any one of us dare to say that Jesus is any less important than the Father just because he is submitted to the Father? Or just because he is uh, in obedience to the Father? I don't think so. I I There's nothing indicating that Jesus is less important than the Father. Simply, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit have different roles. And so in the same way, even though women are supposed to be submitted to their husbands, that doesn't mean that women are any less important than men. That doesn't mean that men are so much better than women because they are supposed to be the leaders. No it simply means that god has given distinct roles to men and women and so in the in the case of the church women are not supposed to exercise authority or to teach men so going back to our passage what is the deal then like what it, why is paul saying that women are not even supposed to speak well what i understand is that he is still talking about the 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 prophets and he is still talking about the fact that the prophets are, the, their prophecies are supposed to be weighed, are supposed to be tested. And so I believe that women can prophesy. I believe that women can pray. But when it comes to the point of testing, of weighing the prophecies that are being said, I believe that women are supposed to remain silent because these prophecies are being tested in light of the apostolic teaching of the word of God and therefore for a woman to start scrutinizing a prophecy in light of the authority of God's word she would be exercising authority over the person who prophesied and really over the whole church because she would no no longer be uh, uh, merely prophesying but she teaching does that make sense if someone stands up if, if a man stands up and starts prophesying and then the church is weighing what this person said. And then a woman says, well, actually, you know, a woman stands up and says, well, actually, what this brother just prophesied is actually wrong. Because according to this passage, this is what the word of God says. And all of a sudden starts teaching. Well, isn't she all of a sudden exercising authority over the, over the congregation? So that's, that's what I believe Paul means here. I'm willing to change my mind here in in regards to like maybe Paul is talking about uh, something completely different. But the way I understand this passage is women are supposed to be to remain silent when it comes to the weighing of prophecies. And the thing that I believe is extremely clear from 1 Timothy 2 is that women are not allowed to teach in congregation or to exercise authority over men. All right, Mo- moving on. And uh, sorry, one more thing. Before we move on, I just want to say, and, and I'm sure that this is obvious, but this, this is obviously a topic that is countercultural, right? This is obviously not something that is accepted within our culture today. Uh, if, you know, if, if an outsider were to walk in today and hear some of these words that I'm saying, they would probably be extremely offended. And they would probably be extremely offended at Scripture. And sadly, not only outsiders, not only unbelievers are offended at this passage of Scripture, but even some people that claim to be believers are offended at passages like these. And what we are going to see next really, really wraps up the whole thing. The, really, the question that Paul is making, although I don't believe that he's making the question specifically about women, he says, Or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only one it has reached? So, in other words, who are we to question God's word? Right? We, God's word did not come exclusively to us, right? The Bible didn't come exclusively to me. I'm not the only one not the only person that has been reached with God's word so I want to submit myself to the authority scripture and so when I find a difficult passage like this one I much rather err on the side of offending some people than on the side of offending God and that's why we take all of scripture seriously and and we submit to the to Bible says. all right so now moving on for real Remember, Paul is speaking about the same thing. Paul is speaking about the role of gifts in the church. He is especially focused on prophecy. He is especially focused on tongues. In this closing argument of chapter 14, it's it's, it's, it's what closes this entire discussion of the spiritual gifts. In the letter to the Corinthians, Paul is addressing different issues. And he takes chapters 12 through 14 to address the specific topic of spiritual gifts. He's talking about something else in chapter 15. But this closing argument, in my opinion, is one of the best arguments, or one of the best, yeah, is one of the best arguments for the continuation of prophecy today. And it is one of the best clues that we get for understanding the nature of prophecy. And the argument, let me just summarize the argument, is that the spiritual gifts, including prophecy, including teaching, including speaking in tongues, are supposed to be exercised in subjection to the apostolic teaching as it is found in the Bible, in Scripture. All of the spiritual gifts, whether it be prophecy, whether it be teaching, speaking in tongues, uh, um, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, exhortation, any particular spiritual gift is always supposed to be exercised under the or, or in subjection to the apostolic teaching of the bible no spiritual gift is above the teaching of scripture and this is very important because one of the errors one of the mistakes that i see today both in the charismatic and in the non-charismatic camp is that they think of pro- of new testament prophecy as an ultimate authoritative gift from God. And this could be be bad on on both camps. If you're charismatic and you think of prophecy as an an completely authoritative word from God, like in other words, if you as, as a prophet say, this is what God says, well, then you can say whatever you want and people just have to follow, right? If I come to you and I say, the Lord says that I need to get a new car, and the Lord says that you guys are going to fund my car. Well, the Lord said it, right? I mean, there's no questioning. How how can we question something that God said? And that I believe is the problem of a lot of our charismatic brothers. It, well, I would say some of some of the people like defending this idea are probably not even brothers or sisters. But one of the problems of the charismatic camp, is that they take the gift of prophecy, the New Testament gift of prophecy, as final and authoritative. And so whatever they say is the word of God. And you cannot question it, and you have to follow it. Now, I believe that on the non-charismatic camp, the problem is similar, in the sense that, they would also say well new testament prophecy is supposed to be authoritatively and is supposed to be exactly the words of god and they would say this because then say they say therefore the gift of prophecy no longer continues because if someone were to prophesy today we would have to write down their words next to next to revelation right because if if this is God's authoritative word for us, then we should just write it down with the rest of Scripture. Do you see see the problem there? Obviously, we would never add to Scripture, right? That would be blasphemy. That would be sacrilege to add the words of God. But so what is the solution? Well, I think the solution or part of the solution is in this passage. The prophets, notice in verse Thirty-six, or from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? Verse thirty-seven: If anyone thinks he is a prophet, well, a spiritual person, he should that the things I am writing to you are a man of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, in other words, what Paul is saying is, even the prophets of his time, right? Because one of the arguments of the non-charismatics is that. Well, because the Bible was not complete, God was still giving revelation to the people so that, you know, they could live. But once the word of God was completed, once the canon was finished, then he stopped giving revelation. The gift of prophecy ceased. But that assumes that the gift of prophecy in, in the church of Corinth was, you know, final and, and uh, authoritative when it came to, you know, in, in comparison to the words of the Apostle. Paul is saying here is that the prophets, and really anyone who is spiritual, anyone who practices spiritual gifts, actually has to submit to the teachings of the Apostle. The only one thing in this, in this section that cannot be weighed but should be accepted is the apostolic teaching. Prophecy is supposed to be weighed. Prophecy is supposed to be examined. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament is supposed to be examined and is supposed to be tested because it's not final in its, in its, uh, uh, in its presentation. When a prophet speaks and says a word, we don't just say, oh yeah, let me write that down because it is exactly uh, God's word. Rather, we listen and say, okay, yeah, I think this might be from God because it goes in accordance with his word. And so what Paul is saying here is anyone who is a prophet, anyone who is spiritual, they should recognize that what I'm writing is the command of the Lord. In other words, they have to submit to my writings, to the apostolic writings. And then this is interesting. If someone does not recognize, a, a more uh, accurate translation would be If someone intentionally ignores this, he is ignored. In other words, if someone after he says, oh, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing my my prophetic ministry and I'm just going to keep saying that this is from God and I'm not going to let anyone wait what I'm saying. They are ignoring Paul's teaching. And therefore, the warning here is they are going to be ignored by God. If we ignore the teaching of God's Word, if we ignore the apostolic teaching of Scripture, then we are going to be ignored by God. Therefore, everything that we do, whether it be the practicing of the spiritual gifts, prophecy speaking in tongues, whether it be the role of women in the church, anything that we do has to be done in submission to the Word of God. We don't want to ignore God's Word. We don't want to ignore the authority of Scripture. Many people, there there are some people, right, so I described the charismatics and the non-charismatics. Well, let me describe to you a different, different group of people. There are some people who are convinced of the continuation of the gifts, but they are afraid to allow in the church for fear that, well, if we allow prophecy, then what if prophecy just takes over and we forget about the authority of Scripture? If we allow prophecy, like, aren't we opening the door to false teaching? Well, I would say that it is not the church that pursues prophecy and allows speaking in tongues, according to Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians, that is vulnerable to false teaching or to error. Rather, it is the church that ignores and does not submit to the commands of Jesus, as stated in the Bible, that is vulnerable to false teaching. What makes a church vulnerable to false teaching is not allowing prophecy or speaking in tongues what makes a church vulnerable to false teaching is a church that doesn't know their Bible. Because if a church doesn't know the Bible, you can have a charismatic prophet come and deceive them, take it away, just as you could have a non-charismatic preacher who could also take the church away into false doctrine. So we shouldn't, necess- we shouldn't be scared of, of the spiritual gifts. They are given for the building up of the church. Rather, we should be scared of not knowing and not submitting ourselves to the word of God. Verse 39, so my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. God, we thank you that you have given us your word. You have revealed your will to us by the teachings of your son Jesus, by the teachings of your apostles, by the scriptures of the Old Testament. Thank you, Lord, that in the Bible we have what we need to know you and we have what we need to be saved and to grow in godliness. Lord, help us to have an attitude of submission to you. Help us to have an attitude of submission to the commands of your son Jesus. Please give us wisdom in this uh, topic that is difficult that there are different views of which I've presented one of them. Lord, we don't want to ignore your word. We don't want to ignore the apostolic teachings, Lord. We want to become acquainted and familiar with your word. We want to know it really, really well so that we cannot be deceived by others, so that we cannot be led astray, so that whether it be someone coming with teaching or someone coming with prophecy, we would be able to wait what is being said, we would be able to discern what is being said, and we would be edified, if what is being said is good and we be able to reject if what is being said is not according to your word. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died for us. Thank you that he resurrected. Thank you that he ascended into heaven and just as he promised, he sent the Holy Spirit to us. I pray that you that you guide us as we seek to take full advantage of the power of your Spirit. Please help us to always have in mind the building up of your church. Thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Thank you for your work for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.